Well, I've been enjoying going through the fruit of the Spirit as we've been going through Advent. Uh, these are not necessarily traditional uh, ways of looking at Advent. We don't necessarily uh, think of the fruit of the Spirit immediately when we think about Christmas time, and yet I found it to be very helpful to look at these virtues that God creates in our hearts, that He births in our hearts by the power of His Holy Spirit. Now, some of these virtues that we've looked at have been a little harder than others to make the connection to Christmas, but this morning we're looking at love and joy, and I would say that these are the easier ones to make that that Christmas connection. In fact, I, I suspect that if we hit the streets and just started asking people, what images come to mind when you think about Christmas? that even uh, for both Christian and non-Christian people who answered that question, many people would be saying love and joy. That would be near the top of the list for a lot of people. So we can see that connection. However, when we talk about love and joy, we are making some assumptions about a situation in life. Uh, When we're talking about love, we're making an assumption that we're around people who are fairly easy to love. When we're talking about joy, we're usually making an assumption that life circumstances are something that allows for joy to be experienced. And yet, as we've seen over the past number of weeks, as we've looked at each of the fruit of the Spirit, that reality is sometimes different. Sometimes things aren't ideal. Things aren't exactly the way we wish they could be. Maybe it's not so easy to love. Maybe it's not so easy to have joy. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So the first part I want to look at is the the concept of joy. And we need to understand what joy is. Now, a lot of people will equate joy with happiness, and that is something that's very common. In fact, there's another translation of the Bible that does that, and in case you don't believe me, I'm actually going to read from it. And this, this is, again, the fruit of the Spirit, and this is how this translation puts it. God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Now, in general, I have no problem with that translation except for the replacing of joy with happiness because joy and happiness are not the same thing. Uh, Happiness really depends upon your circumstances. In fact, uh, the word happy has some connection to that of being lucky. So if you, you think this is my lucky day, something good has happened to you on that day. And it's the same kind of concept about happiness, that uh, if someone comes up to you and gives you something that you really like, uh, that is great. If you, uh, this week, you get a letter in the mail uh, from the government saying, you know, we've decided to, uh, uh, you have been overpaying your income tax for the, the last uh, 20 years, and here's a check. Uh, you'd be pretty happy about that. Those are things that make you happy. It's the circumstances that create happiness in our lives. But that is not what joy is. Joy is more of a contentment that is available 
despite the circumstances. It's not dependent upon something good or something bad happening. Joy is something that is just there. And I want you to be thinking about the Christmas story. Okay. Now, we, when we think of uh, the nativity, it's always this really peaceful scene, and it's so beautiful, and, and uh, uh, you know, mother and child are all happy, and, and there's Joseph all, all content, and everyone's around, and it just seems like such a, a beautiful thing. But I want you to really use your imagination to put yourself in that situation. Was it really ideal? Imagine that you are in that couple, that there they are, this young couple with, the, uh, with Mary being pregnant. And Mary is probably around uh, 14 at this age, uh, at this time. Uh, that was pretty common for uh, when a, uh, a girl would become engaged uh, to her husband. So she's very young. Uh, there she is pregnant, and she has to make this long journey to... Uh, Bethlehem. And that's not going to be comfortable. It's not comfortable. I mean, it's not comfortable for a a pregnant woman to travel at all anywhere, even in a car. But imagine for that kind of situation, just traveling in general at that time was not easy, was not comfortable. And yet she had to do it while she was very, very pregnant. And when they get to Bethlehem, the place where they wanted to stay is not available. And so they have to stay where the animals are. And that is not ideal. There's so many circumstances taking place at the Christmas story that are not exactly the way you would want it. If you're picturing uh, the best possible setting for you to have uh, a baby, the Christmas story is not it. It's just not working. And yet, what we find is that there is joy in this. Uh, Mary has joy because she has a sense that there is this connection with God, that she is following God's will, that she is an instrument in God's hands. And because of that, she is filled with joy. Not because she was comfortable uh, where she was having the baby. It's not because childbirth was particularly comfortable for her or anything else. But she was filled with joy. Joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Uh, one uh, lady at a previous church uh, that I thought of as one of the most joyful people I ever met was someone who had very difficult uh, physical issues, and she was uh, dying from a, a lung condition that took about three years for her to die, and so she had a lot of struggles, and yet she was someone that when you met her, you just knew that there was joy in her life, and it was not because of her circumstances in life. And so, moving on to love, I actually find there is a connection between love and joy. Usually, if you are a loving person, that there is some kind of joy in your heart. Joy is overflowing out of you, and it's being demonstrated in love. But that's not the only connection. Another connection between love and joy is both of them are not meant to be limited by their circumstances. So if joy is not to be limited by what is happening on the outside, love should not be limited either. Now, we have to confess that there are certain people who are easier to love than others. That's just the basic fact. We, we know that that is the case. There are certain people we meet and there's that instant connection and you just love being around them. Other people, it's a little bit more difficult. 
And this is what brings us into the Sermon on the Mount. And this is why we've been bringing in the Sermon on the Mount each Sunday in Advent, is that Jesus illustrates these things by really giving us some clear teaching. And there are times when we look at Jesus' teaching and you wonder, well, where is he going with that? You know, that parable is open to interpretation and you're kind of struggling with it. But in this teaching here, he makes it painfully clear what is going on. When he looks at love, he shows the way love is supposed to be. Now, the people who are originally hearing this, they would have no problem with him teaching about love. Love, that makes sense. We know that we're supposed to be loving people. Uh, The Torah, the, the Hebrew Bible, teaches that we are to love. But they would love the people who were like them. They would love their fellow Jews. They would love their family. They would love their community. But Jesus confronts those limits And he says, you are to love everyone. Not only are you to love everyone, you are to love your enemies. You are to love those who persecute you. Now that's really hard to do. That is so difficult. That is not the kind of teaching that people wanted to hear. They would rather hear that we are to love those people who are easy to love. And yet he is asking them to focus on those who are most difficult and to love them. I want you right now, at this time, not to, don't do this out loud, but I want you to think about the person that you find the most difficult to love. And that could be someone in your, in your uh, life, or maybe it's someone that you're just aware of, uh, but you know about them, and what you know about them makes them so difficult to love, they are the least likely that you would love. I want you to think about that person, to get someone's name or face into your mind. And that is exactly who you are supposed to love. You are to love that person. There is no excuse for not loving that person. Now, I have to make a clarification. This is not saying that if someone is in an abusive relationship, that they should allow themselves to continue to be hurt. That is not what Jesus is saying at all. And it's not what I am saying. If you are in a circumstance in which you are in danger, you need to escape from that. But there is still an importance to love that person. Even if someone hurts you, you are still to love them. And I'm not saying that that is easy. It is not easy at all. There are people who have not necessarily hurt me, but have hurt the people that I love that I find difficult to love. But here's the key. It's not about a feeling. Jesus is not saying that you need to feel uh, the warm fuzzies inside. That's not necessarily going to happen. It's not about a feeling. This is how we know if we have actually followed through with this. Now, I want you to go back to that person that you were thinking about that is so difficult to love. What would happen if you had the opportunity to cause them harm? That you had the opportunity to bring about some revenge, that some kind of difficulty uh, upon their life. You could make their life difficult if you chose. Would you go ahead and do that? that? That is one of the keys. And here's the other side of it. And this might be a little bit more difficult than that. If you had the opportunity to bless them, if you had the opportunity to make their life better and more comfortable in some way, would you follow through and do that? Those are hard questions, and I'm not going to say that that it would be easy for me either. 
Jesus asks us to do this, to love our enemies, to love those who persecute. And Jesus not only asks this, he lived this. He loved everyone. Even think about Peter. Peter, who in Jesus' most desperate time, uh, Peter denies him three times, and yet Jesus loved Peter. But it wasn't just Peter. He loved the the Roman guards. He loved the uh, prisoners who were on the cross beside him, who were mocking him. He loved uh, everyone who was involved. He loved the, the, uh, the people, the, the religious leaders who were causing him to be crucified. He loved his enemies. Yeah, while he was on the cross, he praised to God, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's an expression of love. He could have called his father to bring wrath against them and to knock them dead. He could have done that, but he doesn't. He asks the father to forgive them. That's the illustration of love when it's most difficult. My prayer for you this Christmas is that you would be filled with love and joy. Not uh, superficial love and joy, not uh, uh, Hollywood love and joy, but real love and joy as revealed in the fruit of the Spirit, as illustrated by the Sermon on the Mount. Love and joy that is not dependent upon circumstances, not dependent upon feeling, but is something that the Holy Spirit creates within us. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your Spirit working in our hearts. We pray that you would develop this love and joy into our lives, no matter what is happening, no matter uh, the people that we are around or the people in our past, no matter what the, the circumstances in our life, that you would work this out. And we pray, Lord, that we would especially be able to experience that this Christmas as we reflect upon the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen.